I I am Marissa. Right. She is Marissa. And I am Liza. And this is the Little Sleep Much Reading Podcast. Finally, from so little sleeping and so much reading, his brain dried up and he went completely out of his mind. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, it's another famous birthday this week, November 29th of 1832. Your girl, Louisa May Alcott, was born. And so, This week's episode is celebrating Louisa May Alcott, not by us reading her most famous novel, Little Women, but by us reading this book, a collection of essays called March Sisters on Life, Death, and Little Women. It's so cute. I love the cover. I really love, um, I love the cover, but also I love this glove page. But this book is a collection of essays, four essays on the four different March sisters by authors Kate Bollock, Jenny Zhang, Carmen Maria Machado, and Jane Smiley. And this episode, because it's a little bit different than we normally do, because it's an essay collection and because it is by multiple authors, we're not going to do our rating scale how we normally do it. Instead, I thought we would just kind of free form talk about it a little bit answer a couple questions and tell you our honest opinions about it mainly because a we can't rate this book the same as we would normally write books because there isn't really a plot to this it's not a story and also because it's written by different people so we can't you know judge the book overall really when it's has different authors right Um, and also because I know that essay collections are not for everyone and it really depends on the content and so by just talking about it I think that you can kind of get a feel for whether it's a book for you or not and um, you know the first question I'm going to ask which I'm not going to do it right now we're going to talk about it a little bit more but I'm going to ask who the, the essay collection is for so if you hear that question and it doesn't sound like it's for you go ahead and skip the episode we'll see you next week yeah live your life Let's talk about each author. Have you had any experience with any of them? Yes. So I have had experience with Jenny Zhang, who writes Sour Heart, but I have not read the book. But I have experienced her in front of me reading from the book, um, and she's awesome. And I have experience with Carmen Maria Machado. She's one of my favorite writers. And I've also experienced her in the flesh. So love her. I am not familiar familiar with Kate Bollock or Jane Smiley prior to this. What about you? I also experienced Jenny Zhang, but I have not read Sour Heart as much as I want to. I think that that should be put on our to-be-read list somewhere because it is something that I've been wanting to read since freshman year of college and have not done. Yeah, Um. And then, so I have also experienced Carmen Marie Machado. 
um, only through Her Body and Other Parties, which is a collection of short stories fiction. And I have not read In the Dream House, which is her memoir. So yeah, that's pretty much our experience on them. I have not read anything Jane Smiley. And I looked up Kate Bollock on, I just like Googled her really quick because she keeps talking about how she's like plain. And I saw her and I was like, she's beautiful. I don't know what she's talking about, which makes sense for what she wrote. But also it's, it's actually funny because she writes a lot on being a spinster yeah, I thought that was funny. It's also funny, not only that she writes that, um, but also because she writes about Meg and not Joe. Right. In the book. That was fun. That is funny. I thought it was funny too, like who got who. Yes. I because wonder how they did that. I don't know because I wouldn't have, I didn't think that Carmen Maria Machado was going to be Beth. I kind of would have thought that Carmen Maria Machado was maybe going to be Amy even because Jenny Zhang kind of makes sense for Joe when you read it. Yes, when you read it, definitely. Kate Barnes also would have made sense. But don't you see like Jenny Zhang could have definitely been Amy? Jenny Zhang, no, now that you're saying that too, Jenny Zhang, Jenny Zhang has Amy in the Greta Gerwig production energy and Carmen kind of has Joe Nobody wants to be Meg. I'm so sorry, but I feel like I might have a, even more of an understanding of Meg now after reading this. Maybe, but Meg, I cannot grasp her as a as a character. She's just like, I don't know. If Meg is your favorite March sister, I'm just like, I don't mean to offend you um, because I kind of feel like March sisters is almost like Hogwarts houses where everybody is one. And you may be a little bit of another that you can mix the two, but everybody is one. And if you're Meg, I'm not trying to offend you at all. But like, she's just like, she's like the Hufflepuff. Uh, Beth is the Hufflepuff. I don't know what Meg is, but she's like, I just can't. I never was here really for Meg. But after reading this, like a little bit more, when Kate Bollock was writing about the party scene, where she puts on the dress that isn't her, like isn't her dress and she takes up another name that to me helped me to understand Meg a little more and I think in the film too but like it that helped me to understand Meg a little bit more but like otherwise am I wrong is she your who what do you think I okay so this is a little hard for me to answer because I have not read the book so my only experience with it is through the movie and not even the old movie only the new movie right um which I know is probably very very problematic so I'm just going to get it over with to begin with I don't plan on reading it I think that it's a great story and I'm all for it but I simply don't think that my brain can take a story such as Little Women with the writing of Little Women for as long as it is Mm -hmm. um so yeah, I'm just gonna get that out the way to begin with. I will say it, in Carmen Maria Machado's section, she does talk about that, like the classifying, which is one of my questions that I thought we could talk about. And she says, Amy is Slytherin, Joe is Gryffindor, Meg Ravenclaw, and Beth 
Hufflepuff. That's true. So that's fact. Here's the problem with that. That's true. I'm going to say something. Gryffindors, I'm sorry, Marissa, if you are. Are you a Gryffindor? Gryffindors yeah. are my least favorite only because I'm like, of course you're going to be Gryffindor. Like, I just feel like I, if I were at Hogwarts, I'm a Ravenclaw, by the way. I feel like I would have beef with the Gryffindor kids for being Gryffindors. Like, because they get to be the best. They're brave and they have Harry Potter and Hermione Weasley. I mean, and Hermione and Ron Weasley. I mean, Sorry. eventually. Eventually Hermione Weasley. But I just have beef with Gryffindor, the concept of a Gryffindor. But I'm Joe, which is just I... <laughs> Okay. Let's just get right to the classifying ourselves. Because I was thinking about this. So I took the, um, you know, I took the Hogwarts sorting hat thing a long time ago mm-hmm. and I got Gryffindor and I was like, cool. And then I took it again recently and it told me Hufflepuff mm-hmm. and I was a little bit heartbroken until I read that it just like, there's actually like hundreds of questions, but it only picks like 20 of them. So mm-hmm. if you get the right combination of questions, you could be something completely different. So I found a quiz that has all of the questions possible. So if you take that, it'll give you your true percentages. So I am in fact a Gryffindor and I'm tied for second. I'm tied both Hufflepuff and Slytherin. And then I'm least likely to be Ravenclaw. So I took, I get Ravenclaw every time I take a test, by the way. I just want to point that out. <laughs> but I took one at one point that had the percentage breakdown like that. And I and then I took another one that com- told you your combination one. Mm-hmm. Like there's like slither claws and you know, whatever. And I am a raven puff. My God, Liza. That's like the worst, I feel like. <laughs> I'm so proud of that. I'm so proud of being raven puff. But listen to this. I'll let you say which March sister you are. But I, I just feel like Joe, and we can get into that later, that I just fully relate to Joe on multiple fronts, always and forever. But I always get Joe, but sometimes I will get Amy, which is kind of funny because that's a Gryffindor and a Slytherin. And I am very much neither of those things. I think I'm the least Gryffindor when I take the little quizzes. I don't know what it is, but it's probably because I'm a Gemini. I think that me being a Gryffindor makes sense because I'm a Leo. So like I always have to be in the spotlight. You being a Hufflepuff and a Slytherin makes sense too, though. It but, makes but sense. But see, I can't see me. Like, I, I think that I would be happier with being a Slytherin than I would with a Hufflepuff. Because I'm like, what the hell is a Hufflepuff? Like Cedric Diggory. Right. Which is funny, though, because Hufflepuffs are like, I like Hufflepuffs. And I like Beth better than I like Meg. But which March sister are you? So I don't know because I was thinking about it and I don't feel like I am. uh, I think I'm too angry to be Beth. Yes, you are. And I think that Meg is too obsessed with appearance for me to be Meg. So it was between Joe and Amy. And then I thought about it and I think that while most people have main character syndrome I have like the opposite of that like foil syndrome mm-hmm. so perhaps I am Amy because I used to be a little devil when I was a kid 
and I somehow just like mellowed out. So I think maybe I'm Amy. You have Amy energy to me. Like I would can agree. I would have picked you to be Amy. Also, she's like a little painter, and Marissa's yeah. a little painter. And definitely too, I love the Amy in Greta Gerwig's. I think that's what a great portrayal of Amy. I think she did it really different than anybody else has, and I really like it. It makes you root for Amy just as much as you root for anybody else, which I like. Because I feel like sometimes people try to like villainize Amy in weird ways, which I don't appreciate. Well, as someone who's not read the book, um, from reading this March Sisters book, I don't remember who it was. I want to say it was Jane Smiley's essay, but I can't remember. But they kind of explained why Amy has to be, has to do some of the things that she does from like a writerly storytelling perspective. And why she has to be almost like an antagonist. Right. Simply because she has to be opposite Joe. Yes. Everyone's like main character pretty much. And I think that that's why um, Greta Gerwig did it well. Because it's still showing that Amy's the opposite of Joe without making her out to be a villain. Right. And I think that that's something really good that um, Smiley's essay did is it really pointed out like Amy is villainized, but she is kind of like this modern feminist in a way. And I think that, again, both her and Joe are feminists on almost opposite sides of the spectrum and there's not a bad thing to that and I think maybe depending on the time period that you read this book you would have different ideas of both girls who do you think that this essay collection is for um who do you think would like reading it I think this essay collection is for people who love little women and I literally don't know if it's for anybody else because I don't know there's something about little women that I feel like maybe we were talking about this on the podcast last week or maybe we were just saying it to each other but like women love little women it really has this kind of thing where it's one of the only books too that I feel like everybody was like I feel even though I don't even if I don't really relate to this or see myself I see myself Does that make any sense? Like she really, Louisa May Alcott really did something for women, I think, when she wrote this book. And she did a lot, I feel like, for women writers with this, with Joe specifically, and women readers specifically. And so that's who I think this book is for. It's for people like, you know, like I love Little Women. I love everything about it. I appreciate the book so much and I appreciate Louisa May Alcott so much but I love the 2019 film it's one of my favorite things to have ever happened and I'll give you a little fun fact about myself for my graduation present from Pratt all I wanted was to go to the filming locations of Little Women 2019 and I'm from New England which I also think has made me always appreciate Louisa May Alcott being from she's from Concord Massachusetts but yeah so I went to like her house for the first time ever which I don't know how I went 22 years being a New Englander and not having gone there but I went there and like all the different places 
I just love it. Like, I can't even explain it. It feels like the ultimate comfort. Like, like Little Women is a hug in the same, I love all period pieces, like Pride and Prejudice too and stuff like that. But I didn't, I don't know. There's something different about Little Women. And so I feel like this book is for people that feel the same way. And I literally don't think other people would care for it. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like when you were like, oh, you can stop listening if this doesn't sound like it's for you. Because I feel like you literally, like, if you don't love Little Women, the book, the movie, or both, you don't really, don't read this, actually. I also, I did say, if you love Little Women, you would like this book. Um, But I also think if you're interested in feminist texts, yes, like it. That's a great point. Um, And I said, maybe if you like book analyzations, Sure. You would probably like this. Yeah. I do think it helps if you've already read Little Women, but I enjoyed it just for A, just from watching the movie, and B, also just for it being a feminist text. I thought that it was very interesting. You don't have to think of it completely as a Little Women book. I think you can also think of it as, you know, the four authors just relating themselves to a character yeah um and you might just like that first of all I love that you mentioned that it's a feminist text because it is a feminist text and I love feminist texts and little women is a feminist text also I like that you said like if you like literary um kind of like that kind of thing because I thought Carmen Marie Machado's section was so interesting in part because she does do a little like almost body horror but it's actually sickness horror which I didn't even really think of as a subset of horror, but it totally is, which is really interesting. The way she got dove into that investigation or recounting of that genre and laid it against Little Women was very cool for anybody who's a reader or a writer, probably. Yes. I don't know if this is true, but it feels true. They could have pulled any woman writer who has read Little Women And she would have been able to do one of these essays. Like, I'm glad they picked these four people. And I don't know why they picked these four people, but like, cool. But it just feels like any woman writer who read Little Women was influenced by Louise May Alcott, Joe, or one of the other Marsh sisters, whether they knew it or not. Does that make sense? Like, I think that's, I think that's behind why I'm like, every woman low-key loves little women it kind of makes me want this book to be like volumized and come out every year but with different writers that would be so fucking cool wouldn't it because all the stories would be different they would all be different and they would probably all be good it's just like how every film adaptation of little women is different it's 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 also like if you have a favorite book or a book that you really, really like, you don't want it to end and you do want to talk with other people about it. So to have a book like that come out every year where there are people talking about your favorite characters in a book, oh, how I fun. That's so bad. And this is, by the way, this is a publication of the Library of America. So that makes sense that they were the ones who put it out. Um, what do you think the best way to read this book is? For me, I just read it straight through over like two days I probably could have cracked it out in one day but I didn't start till it was late and I read it in order yeah I basically did the same thing but I spread it out over a few more days than you 
I think one of the best things about essay collections is that you don't have to read it in order. And you also don't have to read it all at once. And maybe a nice way to read this book would be read it one essay at a time and, you know, put it down for a couple days before you pick it up again to actually think about what they're saying. I think that could be an interesting way to read it. Yeah. But I also think that the way that we read it was good. Right. I was also thinking, we kind of talked about how Amy is sort of like a foil to Joe. Meg is possibly the most boring and Beth is pretty much solidified to sainthood. Yes. What do you think a modern day little women would look like? That's so weird. Well, here's the thing, honestly, unfortunately, I think a modern day little women would low-key villainize both Meg and Amy, but especially Meg. I think Meg would be low-key villainous in a modern one because she is very focused on like looks and what she wears. And when you see, say, when you come across somebody who says, that was the most relatable to me, it kind of makes you go, and it kind of makes you like judge that person. Like not to throw her under the bus, but when we saw the new movie, my grandma, I guess her favorite is Meg. She hates Joe, which that just gives you a little bit of a different generations. Um, But specifically in this new movie, did not like Joe in 2019 loved Meg and was like I relate so much to when he bought the fabric anyway to make the dress and then her husband was like we didn't have money for that she was like I related so much to that and when she said that I was like girl stop but that's okay like it's literally fine and Meg is fine like that's it she felt like she felt that way Meg and that's okay But why do I feel like in a modern day version, Meg with her fabric and her looks and her marrying that guy would somehow kind of be villainous depending on how it was done? I do kind of wonder about that because if there was a modern day Little Women, but, you know, obviously a lot of things are going to change, but the core characteristics of the girls wouldn't. And therefore, you know, Joe kind of like working to support the family by doing something she takes joy in. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people might see that and be like, so what? Because right. and like because modern day women do work and they do support families. Whereas Meg, who's like gets married to someone who she really loves, who she's actually in love with and gives up nice things, which is what she values just so that she can marry this guy who she loves. Perhaps modern day people would find that, you know, not something that everyone does and something admirable about Meg. Yeah, yes. And I mean, if if you reading Kate's section, which is on Meg, she, she has a very similar story to Meg's dress story. And again, so Kate puts on this dress and she goes to this party and she feels very beautiful in her, with herself and it's a dress she wouldn't normally wear. And the guy she's with makes a very not nice 
comment about it and makes her feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is sort of a modern day retelling of the story. The only weird flip about it is that while Meg gets married, Kate will probably forever never get married. Right. <laughs> and, and you know what? Something else is about that that I really like. So I love that about that observation about Kate Bollock versus Meg. Something I liked too was Jenny Zhang on Joe. Okay, so here's a little context. I like the new Little Women movie personally even better than the original because I like that it almost seems like she didn't marry that guy. I think in my opinion, my interpretation is that she doesn't marry the professor. She just wrote that into the book or else they wouldn't publish it, but that Joe never married. I also kind of see Joe as queer. And so that's why I kind of like that interpretation of it too, that like she just wrote the fact that Joe runs after the guy, um, ends up with the guy to please the publishers. Because also Louisa May Alcott never got married. And I don't know if she was queer and I don't know if Joe is queer. If they weren't, it's still just as something that I kind of like appreciate about them. But at the same time, I also appreciate people who appreciate that Joe does get married and however you want to interpret that. And so I thought that was like interesting when Jenny Zhang, she ends the chapter with kind of talking about how like she's not married yet. Mm -hmm. It was like how her mom gave up everything she wanted to be a mother and doesn't regret it at all. And Jenny Zhang is talking about how like, I was finally the writer I always wanted to be. Still, I was melancholy. I felt like Joe March in the third act of Little Women, wondering if she had made a mistake all those years ago. Did she reject the wrong things, the wrong people? Her creator interjects to us and perhaps also to ask herself, was it all self-pity, loneliness, or low spirits? Or was it the waking up of a sentiment which had bided its time as patiently as its inspirer? Who shall say? Really, who can say? And I feel like as somebody who feels like such a Joe, and as a writer, woman, feminist, who feels so much like a Joe, that just nod to Joe in the third act from another woman writer feminist, I thought was cool. In the same way, I think it's cool that Kate Bollock was like feeling like a Meg, but ended up not the way that Meg actually. Yeah. Also thinking about, you know, like modern day little women, would Beth actually die? She'd probably have to have something else. Like she'd probably have to have like cancer. Do we, do you think that we still like sanctify people who die? We sanctify virtuous people still. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like we do. And I also feel like the fact that Beth, Beth always reads to me as like wise, but very childlike at the same time. And we still do that today. I feel like people who are childlike, like I said, virtuous, like we still sanctify them for no great reason. I mean, I'm like, of course, Beth is like a good person, but like for no good reason other than those facts that they are good and youthful also for for this book to work in a modern day perhaps it wouldn't be a white family 
And that is something I think about too, that I'm like, I don't want to say every woman loves little women because I don't, I do think a lot of women of color also relate to little women in some way. Jenny Zhang and Carmen Maria Machado are both women of color. And Louisa May Alcott was like an abolitionist and a feminist, but like this, the entire cast is white. It's always white. And when the movies are made too. And so it's like, that is just something to be like, maybe don't like, not that the color of a character's skin makes them relatable or not relatable, but like, I know, like, I know what you mean. Like, I, I'm trying to figure out a way to say this. It is kind of like, well, people were set, like, while girls were reading Little Women and celebrating it, there were people of color, girls of color, who didn't get to celebrate this book in the same way. Exactly. That is exactly what I meant. Like, they like if, still... if this book is Civil War, like, Little Women is Civil War time. Right. Girls of color don't get to read this book and always feel the same way that white people feel about this book exactly exactly and it's not to say that like you can relate to a character who is not the same skin color as you but the march sisters do not experience a lot of things that young women of color do experience right so yes i think that's important was there a section that you related to most or what would you say were there things from each section that you really related to um like I like I really liked all of them and we were kind of talking about this before that like I don't know if I could even pick a favorite and there were things that I like really liked about each chapter but I do have a passage that stuck out to me the most above everything else that I can be there's actually two and they're both in Jenny Zhang's section so maybe that answers the question a little bit but Mm -hmm. I really like this first of all I love learn I love learning about Ava Alcott and I cannot believe that she wrote in her diary a woman may live a whole life of sacrifice and at her death meekly say I die a woman but a man passes with a few years in experiments in self-denial and simple life and he says behold I am a god I was like, holy shit that Abba Alcott wrote that in her diary. No wonder Louisa May Alcott was such a good writer. Like, what a profound thought. But I really like then this passage that Jenny Zhang follows up with. Perhaps Louisa didn't need to detail what Marmy is so angry about nearly every day of her life. To be a woman is to know anger to be underestimated, treated as inferior, have one's concerns classified as minor, to do all the work and receive none of the glory. How could one not feel angry? And yet in order to be a good woman who stands a chance at being loved and accepted, back then and still very much now, one has to learn, as Marmy advises Joe, not to show it. Even better, not to feel it. Anger in a woman runs the risk of being pathologized, penalized, criminalized. A woman is supposed to bear the violence of patriarchy, both the bloody and the bloodless forms with unflappable cheeriness. That just like really stuck out to me. And that's why I was like, I think it's cool that Marissa pointed out that this is like a feminist text because that is a really good analysis to have in a feminist text. And in the same vein, in that section, I liked Jenny Zhang pulling the quote that was Joe's pep talk kind of to herself. An old maid, that's what I'm to be, a literary spinster with a pen for a spouse, a family of stories for children, 
and 20 years hence a morsel of fame, perhaps, when little poor Johnson, I'm old and can't enjoy it, solitary, and can't share it, independent, and don't need it. Well, I needn't be a sour saint, nor a selfish sinner, and, I dare say, old maids are very comfortable when they get used to it. I like that quote. I liked it, and I like that sentiment at the beginning, and I also just think, like, a family of stories for children that was cool. That is just like another moment where Joe feels very, Joe and Jenny Zhang feel very relatable. What about you? I think I, I related to each of them for different reasons. Kate's section, which was on Meg, was mainly about fashion. And so I did relate to that on the sense that, you know, when I was younger, I went through that phase I'm not going to wear skirts mm-hmm. and uh, I don't care about what I wear. And like, why would I not just wear sweatpants every day? Which is like fine to, to, to do that if that's what you're really comfortable with. Whereas to me, I think I was just doing it to like hide being feminine mm-hmm. um, and like not wanting to appear too material. And now, now that I'm, you know, a grown adult, I love clothes and I'm definitely okay with the color pink. And um, I love a good skirt. And, you know, when I first started dressing more flashy and in brighter colors and wearing dresses, there was a very uncomfortable period for me where I was like, eyes are on me. And it's it has to be because I'm faking something. But really, I'm just a woman and eyes are going to be on me anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for... For Jenny Zhang's section, which is Joe, you know, there's there was this weird kind of thing for me growing up where I felt like I had to be the genius in my family, like mm-hmm. not only my immediate family, but also like my extended family, especially as I got older. Um, most of them had dropped out of college and then suddenly I w- was going to college almost and I remember this moment where I was talking to my uncle and I was like oh I got accepted to Pratt for creative writing and he was like creative writing like aren't you supposed to be the smart one <sighs> and so like there is that moment where I where I was like wow like I am supposed to be like the smart one maybe I should be going for something else but I think you know, relating to Joe in the sense that I know that this is something that I want to do. And even though I am smart, I can use that. And then I would say Carmen Marie Machado's section on Beth was the one I related to the least, Mm -hmm. simply because um, I've never had any kind of really bad sickness like that. I've never had an ongoing sickness that affected me daily. And I am the writer, not the written about, mm-hmm. which was big in um, in Beth's section. Simply having your story told for you, I don't think that would ever happen to me because yeah. I'm the first one to tell it. And lastly, with Amy's, I think I related to Meg and Joe the most, but with Amy, there was something where, you know, Amy's constantly learning and adapting and I do have that in some sense but I don't think that you know while while I have I was an angry kid 
and I did do really stupid things, but I've kind of mellowed out from that. I can't say if the new mistakes I've made, if I've exactly learned enough from them to say that I've adapted enough to be an Amy. Again, as someone who has only seen the movie, reading this book is such a good way to really understand these characters if you don't want to read Little Women. Next, we should just kind of give an overall rating for the book. I would say the writing in general for each section was really, really good. Mm -hmm. Um, These are all women authors who, or women writers who I enjoy very much and who feel like they know what they're doing Mm -hmm. and they've done the research, they've read the book. I would give this like a seven or an eight for overall writing. And that's simply because I would probably give each of their sections individually between a seven and an eight. Mm -hmm. I would also remind everyone that Jane's section is the most essay like. Mm -hmm. And then I think shelf worthy is the other kind of thing on the rating scale that we could rate this book for. And I would say baseline, I think this is six or seven for shelf worthy. But I think that if you're a fan of Little Women, then I would rate this higher, like probably mm-hmm. a nine. Yeah. I like that statement. Cause like, I also agree that like, I would give this like a seven or an eight for writing, but I like that because at first I was like, is this book shelf worthy? Cause it is, I'm going to keep it. But I like that you said that it feels like it is a necessary companion to your copy of Little Women. Because Little Women 2 is another one of those books that like, if you have it, you keep it. Every time you go through your bookshelf, it's not one of the ones that goes in the, should I throw this out? Should I put this on the stoop for someone to pick up? Should I take this to Goodwill? It doesn't end up in the pile. And that's why I feel like if you're one of those people, like Marissa said, this book doesn't end up in the pile either. It's like a necessary companion for your personal copy of Little Women. And that's why I love the idea, like, I wish the Library of America would do it again, because this is something that I would personally, like, I would make a whole Little Women March Sister shelf and collect the books. Especially, they... it's so cute. It's like, so imagine, cute. like, the glove colors changed every time and, like, cute things like that. My copy of this book is used, which is kind of cute because I was like, oh, that means somebody else who loves Little Women read this book. But now that I just said what I said, I'm like, what if the person that sold this to me didn't like it? Guys. Maybe they did, though. Maybe they were just moving out of their house and they could only take a few books with them. And they said, oh, crap, I got to sell this. We simply don't know. We'll never know. But it's kind of fun. I don't know. I always think about that when I have used books. Do you? That like, what if somebody else loved this book and now I love it? Yes. And you want to know what I I really always think of? Every time I'm reading a used book, I'm like, did the person before me sit on the toilet and read this book? Oh my God. Yeah. Where were they? (laughs) Where did they read? Where did their thumbs touch the paper? My favorite thing, not in the same vein as someone sitting on a toilet reading it, is when there's notes in the book. And I have a collection of Shakespeare's with some random theater kids notes in it and I love it I love it it feels like it's like the half-blood prince or something oh I love Uh, that it's really cute and so that's adorable 
I don't usually annotate my books, but the ones I, I did annotate, I hope when I'm decaying in the ground and they're selling all my books from my large library of books one day that somebody, they end up in like a Goodwill or something and some little weirdo writer picks them up and is like, this bitch, if you can't be public as an author, maybe you're immortalized in a book in that way. I love that. I read that in the, I think it might be the very original published copy of Little Women. May, who Amy's based on, is, she did the illustrations in the book. I adore that. Don't you want it? I want it so bad. I want it so bad. That's why I love this book too, because like, I really like that these four girls were truly real. Yeah, like, like, they're sisters, you know what I mean? I think if you have sisters, this book is extra special to add that to the list of like people who love little women. I wonder if people with brothers or only siblings don't feel the same way. Not even that I see my sister specifically as one of the other sisters, but it's just like, it's special to have sisters, no matter what you think of your sister. Right. So maybe that's another criteria. Another thing I just wanted to mention, don't you think it's so crazy, like the circle of people that Louisa May Alcott was around for like ever? I cannot believe, I knew that, I guess, because I knew they all lived over there. But for those who don't know, Louisa May Alcott grew up around, first of all, her parents were transcendentalists, abolitionists, and so were all of these people. But she grew up around Nathaniel Hawthorne, Ralph Waldo Emerson, Henry David Thoreau, and Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Which, like I said, like, I guess I knew that in a way because I know Nathaniel Hawthorne. I know where he lived. I know exactly where Emerson and Thoreau lived. I knew that Wadsworth was from Mass. But it's almost like you don't think of them as being from the same time period. Like, where did I see this? Like, Jane Fonda and Martin Luther King were born in the same year. Jane Fonda, Martin Luther King, and Anne Frank were all born in the same year. And you're like, stop. That's insane. Those are three different time periods in my brain. Because we have, like, the 40s, the 60s, and today. And why why does Louisa May Alcott, even though it totally makes sense that Little Women is from around the same time as Scarlet Letter and... Walden it just feels like no that's not true right also not to hate on her dad but no wonder his kids were like little feminists because he left that poor mom to do everything I do not like the dad no like which is interesting because I like the dad in little women I think she idealized her dad a little bit yeah because he's he's a hero in the book because he's off fighting for the Union Army as an older gentleman. And then Bob Odenkirk comes in and says, my little women. And you definitely like Marmy better than you like the dad. Right. But it almost feels like she was like, uh, my dad sucks. So I'm going to like make this cool war hero instead. Why? How come like no one around him was like, maybe this whole like weird vegan thing needs to stop? Because Emerson and Thoreau were little bitches. <laughs> I've been to the Fruitlands Museum, uh, which is his, like, cults that he made that they talk about in the book. That's just funny. But yeah, no, I'm not fucking surprised that Thoreau <laughs> was involved. Y'all know from the last episode that I hate 
him. I cannot believe the amount of beef I have with Darrell. Yeah, he's gross. I don't hate Nathaniel Hawthorne actually at all. I kind of like him, which is interesting because I did not like The Scarlet Letter when I had to read it in school. But I like his short stories a lot. I like his short stories. He's the one who wrote Young Goodman Brown, right? Yes. I don't care what anyone says. Young Goodman Brown slaps. Slaps. What a little freak. That's why Nathaniel Hawthorne feels witchy to me. Yeah. And that's what I like about him. His house is super witchy too. And it's in The House of the Seven Gables, which is also a book, is in Salem. I don't have any opinion on Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Like, I know him, technically. What is Walden classified as? Nonfiction. Not memoir, just nonfiction? I think so. Okay, I was just wondering. I don't know, though. Um, And that's all on that. That's on that. Happy birthday, Louisa May Alcott. Um... Happy birthday, Queen. We should visit her. She lies in Sleepy Hollow Cemetery in Concord, Massachusetts. I would freaking love to. I love visiting the dead, specifically in old cemeteries in New England. And I I, love to hang out with the dead people in those places. So we should definitely, and you know who else is fucking there? The row. Piss on on his grave. Pour one out of the old lizard for. for <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, I would I would do it. All right, so yeah, that was really fun. Um, if you're a little women fan, please put this on your bookshelf and give it a read. And if you're not, then maybe just check out something from one of these authors. But guess what, guys? What next week? We're going to be doing historical fiction and we're going to have our second special guest. Her name is Vanita and she's super sweet and she's been one of my best friends since sixth grade. Vanita, I'm excited because I haven't met Vanita. She's the first friend I made at my new scary middle school. Aww. Yeah. Shout out to Vanita. Um, she's super smart and she's super great and we're super excited to talk with her and I'm going to be reading a graphic novel. Um, it's called Unterzaken and it is by Leela Corman. And I'm going to be reading Mistress of the Art of Death by Ariana Franklin. Vanita is going to be reading... Um, the Glass Palace, a novel by Amitav Ghosh. And she's actually the one who gave us the idea to do a historical fiction episode. So get excited. And if you're a historical fiction fan, buckle your seatbelt. And if you're not, buckle the seatbelt and lock the doors because here we come. And there are three very different time periods, by the way. I believe Vanita's is like mostly the early 20th century, right? Take the bulk of the book. It it spans time, but something like that. Mine is medieval times and or Renaissance. And Marissa's is like the 30s, right? Yep. 1930s. 1930s. So it's a little bit of like, there's something for everybody here. Yes. So we'll we'll see see you guys later. We'll see you there. Peace.